able to summon us to the Word this morning. We have Elena Raleigh, she's going to come up and, and lead us in that. So if you have your bulletin, follow along as, as Elena is going to both summon us to the Word, but also read our scripture reading this morning. Elena, please, thanks so much. And is this? Here, let me make sure this is the right. Good morning, everyone. As we turn our attention to God's word this morning, we seek to receive it with joy-filled reverence and sober humility. Sober humility. The summons to the word found in your bulletin prepares our hearts and minds to do that. Let's read it together. I will never forget your commands. They make me wiser than my enemies. Your word is a lamp for my feet. It is a light to my path. This morning's scripture reading is taken from Psalm 121. Again, the text is Psalm 121. Hear now the word of the Lord. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Thank you so much, Elena. That was was great. This morning, kids, I want to speak to you about just our everyday lives. I want to do that from Psalm 121, what Elena just read. What's up, Jim? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. Thanks, Jimmy. It's important. Thank you to have your mask on. I really appreciate that. You're being responsible, Jimmy. That's great. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you from Psalm 121, and I want to talk to us about... um, I want to talk to you about the idea of our daily life, just going here, here, here and there and just traveling, doing errands and groceries. And Psalm 121 is very much about that idea. It's, it's a little more specific than that, but it also includes this idea of our coming and our going, this idea of, of wherever we're going, to and fro, as we go about our day, doing small things, going to the grocery store, um, you know, going to work and back, etc. Just these little small commutes that we make. And kids, I want to share with you a story I used to be in the military, I used to be in the Air Force, and there was one particular day that I was, uh, I was in Orlando, Florida, and it would have been great to have been to, going to Disney World, but I wasn't going to Disney World. I was going to a place called Lockheed Martin, and Lockheed Martin is a, a company, are you ready for this? It's a company that makes fighter planes. Isn't that crazy? In fact, sometime in this afternoon, ask your mom or dad, to Google, listen to this very carefully, SR-71. Do you know what an SR-71 is? An SR-71, it's called the Blackbird. It is one of the fastest planes that has ever flown. It goes over Mach 3 at 21, 2,500 miles per hour. In fact, it's rumored, I don't know if this is true, you can find this out, you can on Google, but it's rumored that actually when the, when the plane is sitting still, it actually doesn't fly anymore, this is a while ago, but when it was sitting still on the, on the, um, you know, on the runway, that it actually leaked fuel. Because the plane, when it's actually going at, at supersonic speeds, it stretches. 
It stretches so much so that when the fuel, when, when, it, as it's, you know, when it's stretched, it actually maintains its fuel better. It's an incredible aircraft. In fact, they made the, S, the F-22, they made the F-35, they made the F-117. Now, I was, I was here at Lockheed Martin in Orlando, and guess who I was going to see? I, as a lieutenant, was going to go see the president of Lockheed Martin. Think about that. I mean, the guy who's in charge of the whole thing. And the actual Lockheed Martin campus, you know, the whole facility is huge. I had to go through the security, the security gate, and I had to um, park my car, and I had to. It was like actually like a ten-minute walk just to get from the car all the way through the various offices, through the various facilities, to the president's office. And I was so excited because I here I, I was this nobody. I was like a you know a lieutenant or a captain, and I actually got to go in and talk to the president of the entire company because of the project that my team was working on. And I can't even tell you about what the project was. I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> right? So I, I, you know, we don't want that, right? That's not a good idea. Okay, so listen, I, so I was carrying this, I was on this, I was on, I was walking in, and I knew various people at the company, so I'd stop and I'd say hi, but I wouldn't stay. You know why? Because I was going to see the president. I'd say hi, I'd talk to people, but I, I wouldn't stop. I, I, would, I would stop a little bit, but I, would, I was on a journey. I was, I, was, I was on a path to see the one who was in control. I was on a path to see the one who actually was expecting me. Think about that. He was expecting me. I was on a journey to meet the one who was in power. Well, this psalm, Psalm 121, is about people who are on a journey to see the one who is in power. And they have a name. They're called pilgrims. That's what they call them, pilgrims. And it's about God's people. A long time ago, they would be living in the middle of nowhere in Israel, some small little hamlet, some small little village. And three times a year, God, their God Israel, the one who made all things, he was actually inviting them, calling them to come to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship him. And so this psalm is a psalm for those who are making a journey. I want to ask you a question, kids, this morning. Where are you going? Where are you going in life? What's your destination? Are you just sort of hanging around? Are we, are we, are we, where are we going in life? Are we on our way to see the one who's in charge? Are we on our way to see the one who's in control? And let me ask you, is he expecting you? Does he know who you are? This is a psalm written for persons who decided that their, their home isn't really here. This is not really where they're headed. They're not going to stick around here forever. So again, let me ask you, where are we going? Where are we now? And do we want to stick around here? Is this, is this it? Is this everything? Pandemics and presidential elections? I mean, really? That's it? I mean, somebody shoot me. Right? This is, this is all. This is it. Now, see, Psalm 121 is written for those who are on a journey, who are going somewhere, who aren't content to stop and hang out with the little people. They are on a journey to stand one day face to face with the God who has made the heavens and the earth. And it's for those who are on their journey, and listen to this, on the journey, on the way to Jerusalem, there was all manner of, da all manner of dangers. 
There were criminals who could jump out and maybe they would want to, you know, they'd want to rob you. Right? There was the sun. It was really hot. It was, and the moon is cold at night. There are all kinds of different things that could happen that would, that would make the journey a dangerous one. And this psalm, Psalm 121, is a promise of protection for pilgrims. If you're going to summarize the whole psalm, that's what it is. The promise of protection for pilgrims. Not just a promise of protection for whatever. You just decided to go wherever you want to go, do whatever you want to do. It's not promising protection for those people. It's only promising protection for those who have said, you know what, I want one day to stand in the presence of God. I want one day to see him face to face. I am not content to mingle with little people. I actually want to have a relationship. I want to be known by. I want to be expected by the one who has made the heavens and the earth. Is God expecting you? So I want to walk through this psalm together. Again, this psalm, as I mentioned, is called the Song of Ascents. And it's, this, it's, it's a part of a larger little book within the book of Psalms called the, song of the Songs of Ascent. And the idea of the ascent is most likely the ascent into Jerusalem. It's a, it's a pilgrimage psalm. These psalms, again, are meant for those who are not content to stick around, but they are actually going somewhere. They are journeying somewhere. They're looking around and saying, you know what? This is not my home. St. Louis isn't really my home. Missouri is not really my home. America is not really my home. This earth isn't really my home. I'm a, I'm a stranger. I'm an outsider. I'm an immigrant. I'm passing through. My real destination is to stand one day in the presence of God. And as this pilgrim is, is, is walking along, listen to this. He stops and he looks up. Look at verse 1. It says, he says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Well, that's strange. Why would he lift his eyes to the mountains for? Think about that. He's, he's walking along his journey, and he looks around, he sees he's in a valley, and he sees mountains and hills all around him. And he lifts his eyes, he looks around, and he thinks, he wonders, what, where does my help come from? Well, listen to this, kids. This is really important. In the ancient world, especially the ancient Near Eastern world, there are all kinds of gods. And do you know where? These gods would all have temples. And do you know where those temples would usually be? They would be on the tops of mountains. In fact, many in Israel, throughout the story of Israel, many people, listen to this, many people, kings and uh, all kinds of priests, whatever, they would decide that they didn't want to worship Yahweh. They didn't want to worship Israel's God anymore. And so then what they would do, they would go and they would build themselves, they would build these sanctuaries, these, these temples on these hills, on these mountains. They were called high places. In fact, you can read, it's very sadly, Solomon, who once worshipped God with all his heart. At one point, he, does, he marries all the wrong women, and these women convince him to build high places. And so they're around the mountains of Jerusalem, around the hills, in the various directions, you would see these temples in various states of, of, of disarray. Sometimes they were, they, depending on who was in charge, the king, they were, sometimes some of these temples would be uh, ready to go and, and, and ready to receive uh, um, uh, uh, worshippers. And other times, if the king was more faithful, those high places would be torn down and destroyed. But the, but the pilgrim, as he's walking through, he looks up and he sees all of these other competing gods, all these other competing temples, all these other competing sources of refuge, of protection and safety. And he asks the question, where does my help come from? And here the word help, the word help is, listen to this, kids, it's, it's azer, it's Hebrew, azer. What, what do you want in school? You want a's, right? And then what do we breathe? We breathe air. Azer. 
It means help or helper. In fact, it's the same word in Genesis 2 where God looks at the, at, at the, uh, he looks at the man and he says, you know what, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable. And here, in fact, throughout the Old Testament, God is regularly called an azer, a regularly called a helper. In fact, it's usually used in context of war. Let's say you're fighting in a battle and you're losing and, you, 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 and one of your friends is like a king or he's a soldier, he's a great soldier. You call him and you say, will you be my helper? And so this pilgrim is saying, who can I call who is stronger than I am, who is going to be a helper, who's going to fight with me? And in fact, you could translate it, where does my ally come from? Who's on my side? And what, you know how he answers? Look at verse 2. This is how he answers. You know what he says? He says, my help is in the name of the Lord, is the Lord, is Yahweh, Israel's God. And you know, look at how he defines, you know how he, called, what he, how he describes Israel's God? Ready? Are you ready for this? He calls him the maker of heaven and earth. Well, how is that? What, why would he call him that for? Are you ready for this? See, Israel's God is the one who made everything. And as the God who makes everything, that means that he is stronger than everything. That means that he is outside of everything and no one can tell him what to do. Because if he made something, he can manipulate something. He stands outside the system. Now, kids, I don't know how many of you, how many of you kids have seen like Marvel movies like Thor or maybe you've seen Captain America or you've seen different movies like that, right? Now, I want you to think about, I want you to compare a movie like that to a movie like, um, think of a movie where there's a, the hero is a police officer or maybe he's a CIA uh, agent or something like that. Think of like those of you who have seen the movies about Jack Ryan. Those are like neat movies, and we think, wow, that's a great police officer. Oh, that's a great spy, right? But at the end of the day, what? They're just, they're just, they're, they're in the system. They're part of the system. I mean, they're really smart, they're really shrewd, and maybe they're good with a gun or whatever, but they're just inside the system. The gods of the ancient Near East were much like that. They kind of, maybe they're a god of the hills, or the god of the seas, or the god of, of, of farming, or a god of, I don't know, whatever. And they, but they were inside the system. They, they didn't really have that much power. They couldn't really do anything. But, the God, but the, the God of Israel was outside the created world. He was much more like a Thor, much more like one of the gods, one of the, one of the heroes of the Marvel Universe. And he was out from outside and was able to, to act in a way that was simply uh, without parallel. And so he says, my help is, is Yahweh, the one who made the heavens and the earth. And then, listen to this, verse 3, he makes a promise. He says, this one who made the heavens and the earth will not let your foot slip. Now think about it, you're on a journey, you're walking along, and it's the ground is, the ground is, maybe, is maybe rough, it's rocky, and he says, listen to this, if you are headed to the presence of God, if you have said this, the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. That's what King David said. King David was this great warrior, this great, uh, this great statesman, this great uh, poet and artist. He said, you know what? If I had to choose between life and God's love, the love of the Creator, if I had to choose between breathing, surviving a pandemic, surviving, you know, not getting hurt, 
not getting in a car crash, and living a really long time, and I had a reading that and God's love, I would choose God's love. Why? Because he sort of can resurrect me. Because he can do anything. So I'd rather be on his team. I'd rather be going toward him. I'd rather be heading my whole life toward, into his presence. Because that's better. I'd rather have, know his love. Now think of the Apostle Paul who said this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's amazing. Who talks like that? See, these are pilgrims who were on a journey, and their desire in life was not to make as much money as they could, wasn't to be as famous as they could. Their desire in life was to know the one who had made the heavens and the earth. They didn't need to be important people because they were headed to seed to one who was expecting them, who was the most important person in the cosmos. Okay? And, and this, this, this creator, this God of Israel is saying, if you are headed to me, if your life goal is to know me, if your life goal is to meet me, to see my face, if that is your life goal, I promise you, nothing will get in your way. There will be no hindrance to you. Your foot will not slip. Verse 3. The one, listen to this, verse 3, it speaks so throughout this whole, this whole psalm here. Listen to this, kids. Throughout the whole psalm, it speaks of the, the creator of the heavens and the earth as one who is watching you. Not watching to see if you're going to do something wrong, but attentive to you. He's watching over you. He's looking at you. He's concerned about you. He's going to keep you safe. You're on his mind as you go about your day. In fact, throughout the psalm, it's what it speaks of, that he's watching over us. Think about it. When's the most dangerous time? When you're on a journey through the valleys, there's mountains already, there's places where people can hide. What's the most dangerous time? When's the, when, when are you most vulnerable? Think about that. Is it when you're wide awake in the morning, you're ready to go and you're alert? Is it in the afternoon, we've been walking all day, you're tired? Or is it at night when you're exhausted and you fall asleep? Right? That's when you fall asleep. That's right, Jimmy. You're sleeping. You're just so, you, you, try to, you try to stay awake because you wonder. You're, you're looking around you to see who's going to jump you and who's going to hurt you. And what does it say about, about, about God here, Israel's God? He never slumbers nor sleeps. In fact, the, the Hebrew here, Shomer, of a, of a watchman, the language of someone who watches over a city. You know, those whose job is to sit there and look out for bad guys and to keep the city safe. He says, the one who watches over you never slumbers nor sleeps. Isn't that amazing? As indeed, this refrain keeps on happening. It says, indeed, verse, uh, verse 4, behold, he will not slumber nor sleep. He never gets drowsy. That is, the one who watches over God's people, those who together are making a pilgrimage toward the very presence of God. The Lord, verse 5, the Lord, again, watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. And it speaks of by day and night, by night, verse 6, by day the sun will not harm you because it's beating down on them and there's a sense of heat and it's hot. Or maybe at night it's the moon. Neither it won't harm you either when it's cold. There's so many, all manner of spiritual conditions on this journey. You will not be in danger. Isn't that wonderful? 
if we make our journey, our life goal, to be in the presence of God, there will be no danger. There will be no hindrance to us. What a wonderful reassurance. And you could also read verse, because this is very important too, in the ancient Near Eastern world, if you want to understand how the ancients thought about life, do you know, do you know, what they, do you know who they paid attention to most? Do you know what they followed the most? Because they believed that this, this part of creation told them everything about their future? The sun and the moon and the stars. The ancient world was fascinated they truly believe that if you follow the various signs and the planets and the, and the various constellations, that those constellations told them something about who they were. And here, Yahweh is saying, look, you don't need to be afraid of the sun or the moon or the stars or anything. All that whole astrology stuff, it's a bunch of garbage. And it would take the rest of the world till really the 1700s, 1800s to discover that the planets really were on a fixed course and that there was nothing there at all to tell them that there was any meaning behind what they were seeing in the heavens. But as a follower of Yahweh, they knew already that they did not be af- need to be afraid of things that the rest of the world was afraid of. Now listen, this is important, especially in a day like time like right now. So, so many times, our, our classmates, our friends at school, they're afraid of all kinds of things. Our parents are afraid of all kinds. Everyone's scared of all kinds of things. But if you have set your life to know and to, to walk with and to one day appear before Almighty God, the one who's the creator, you don't have to be afraid of anything because he's on your team. He's on your side. You don't have to be scared of death. You don't have to be scared of people not liking you. You don't have to be scared of not having a lot of money. You don't have to be scared of anything because he's on your team. He's on your side because he needs watching over you. He cares about you. He sees you. And when everyone else has forgotten you, He hasn't forgotten you. He's expecting you. He's watching over you by day and by night, the one who never slumbers nor sleeps. Verse 7, He, the Yahweh, He, the the Israel's God, He is He who will watch over you and keep you from all all danger. Now this is important. He didn't say, it doesn't say that He will keep you from all difficulty. It says He will keep you from all danger. Kids, I want you to think about it for a sec. When you be, someday you may be a mom or a dad. And let me ask you, this is is a really important question. Will you ever discipline your kids? Will you ever tell them no? I sure hope so. Because if you don't do that, if all you ever, if you just give your kids whatever they want, guess what you'll do? You'll destroy them. You'll absolutely destroy them. And so sometimes as parents, we actually let our kids go through difficulty. Good parents let their kids go through difficult times. You know, for all kinds of reasons, because it builds character, because often the things that we're scared of really aren't worth being scared of at all. And so we let our kids into situations that are actually quite difficult, that we leave them to their fears, because guess what? It's not really worth fearing. And they discover it. Oh, that wasn't so bad. And so it's not promising, here in verse 7, it's not promising. Yahweh isn't saying, I'm going to keep you from all difficulty. He says, I'm going to keep you from all danger. And he says, he will watch over your soul. He will watch over your life. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. And then verse 8, are you ready for this? 
The Lord will watch over your coming and your going. That's just that, you know, just, a, just as you're getting up in the morning, brushing your teeth. As you get up in the morning, you, you leave the house on your bike and go see your friend. As you're going, you know, to the grocery store with mom and dad. Wherever you're going, where you're going, or you're coming back, you're on your way back, you're on your way back from school, you're on your way back from, from your friend's house, whatever it may be, he watches. He's, well, he cares. Think about that. Just how boring that would be for us. We're like, oh, here's Bruce again going to the church for the thousandth time. No. God is like, you know what? I'm watching. You're coming and you're going. And I'm doing, how long? Look at the very last words of the, of the entire psalm. What does it say? He watches over, he will watch over your coming and your going, or your coming, or your coming and your going from now and forever. What a promise. What a beautiful word of comfort and protection. And kids, I want you to hear this today. It's so important. You know what? There are so many persons today, especially adults, they call themselves Christians. But you know where they're headed? They're just headed to get more money. They're just headed to get really popular. They're just headed to, uh, you know, to, be, to, to, you know, to do all kinds of fun things. Their life is about fun making their lives as fun as possible. Or their lives are about avoiding pain, not wanting to get any difficulties whatsoever. My question for you is this, are you really seeking to head to the one place where the creator of the heavens and the earth lives? Are you seeking to know him, to strive for him? Can you say with David, One thing have I desired, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire within his temple. Can you say along with the psalmist again, where where it says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper and nobody in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For my God is a sun and a shield, and no good thing does he withhold from him whose walk is blameless. Can we, are, we, are we able to, with that same confidence of the Apostle Paul, who's in prison, all his plans, all his agendas are shot. He wanted to be out there proclaiming to the thousands, and here he is in prison. And he says, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. Isn't that beautiful? Because here's the thing, kids. If you make your life goal to stand in the presence of God, when you go to die, whether that's soon or later, when you go to die, guess what happens? Do you know what happens? Paul just told us. When you die... It's like falling asleep. You fall asleep, and then guess what? You wake up. And guess who's going to be there? Jesus. He has a big smile on his face. He's going to say, Bruce, or Dawn, or Adam, Brenda, it's me. <laughs> I've been expecting you. I've been waiting for you. There'll be no more tears. 
no more illness, no more death. And you will join a mighty throng of those who are waiting, thousands upon thousands, who will, be in, who will watch, watch the rest of the story play out until a day comes, that great day when we will all stand before a judge and we will sing and we will shout without fear, knowing that an old order has passed away and that we are home. Home. Are you a pilgrim? Where are you headed? Are you headed for its presence? Do you long to go home? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how beautiful it is, this psalm. Thank you so much for the riches of the psalms and how you have placed us on a pilgrimage, Father, not by ourselves, but with one another, Lord. We walk not alone, but we walk with your Holy Spirit within us and with your people around us. Father, I pray so much that we would taste the, the joy, the freedom of being in that company, the sense of your provision, of your protection, Father, thank you that you are a God who frees us from all fear. Thank you that you are not caught up in all of the system. Thank you that you're not, not like the politicians of our day who must bargain, who must sit there and have all manner of constituencies, who must, who must sit there and, and make deals so that they can have more influence. Father, you stand outside the system. You are the creator, the maker of heavens and the earth, and therefore, whatever happens, you can undo it like that. Father, how beautiful it is to know that there will come a day when all evil, all death, all disease, all illness will become untrue. And you indeed will be the one who has triumphed over all. And we will know peace and joy, fullness of provision in your presence. Father, who are we? Who are we that you should set us on this journey? Who are we that you should awaken us and give us a holy unrest with our present situation? But even now, I know that there are persons here who are sensing that you are at work in their life, who are recognizing that they have been headed in the wrong direction. Father, I pray for our little ones, Father, from Harrison on up. I pray that they would live their lives as pilgrims, not, not in any way just straying to the left or to the right, being enamored by the empty idols of this world, the idols of money, the idols of success, the idols of popularity, the idols of, of silly things, fun things, good things like sports that all have their place, but things at the end of the day that will leave us empty, will leave us hollow, will leave us asking, where am I going? Father, please summon us by your love by your power, by your protection, by your peace. We love you and we pray all of these things in the mighty and merciful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, listen in our prayer.